Welcome back to the Biff Bites Podcast. I'm Adam. Today we are discussing common behavioral biases with Brendan. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna sit here, we're gonna talk about staying sane in this insane environment. So we've got a lot of a lot of things up in the air. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there's a lot of polarization between it, what, what people think and how strongly they feel about what they think. And, and it's all leading to, uh, I think, people being nervous and, and uh, primed for mistakes. So we're going to talk about behavioral biases. Excellent. And I thought this was really interesting. Would you mind sharing the results of that study just to kick things off? Yeah. So, so there was a study that was done. It, it, it's, it's a little aged right now. It's 2019, but I would, I would argue, and, and I'll talk a little bit about what I would perceive as the changes to be. Um, but it, it looked at uh, behavioral finance in uh, financial planning and investment management practices. Uh, and it asked the question, one of the many questions it asked was, what are the most common biases that you as the advisor or the planner see in your clients? And the top three uh, in, in the order that they were received is the top bias is, is recency bias. Uh, and recency bias basically says, hey, what I'm seeing right now and in the, in the near past is what I think is going to happen into the future, right? And that's obviously could be very dangerous right now uh, because, you know, March 2020, when the whole thing kind of fell apart is way in the rearview mirror, uh, and, and so people, I, I think, are really underestimating necessarily the risk that might be out there. The second one, ironically, is loss aversion. So, and it's it's amazing how in a market like we've had, one bias can cause you to create the next thing that you're afraid of, right? So you can just suck yourself into this vortex of hope based on what you've seen and immediately walk yourself into the monster that you're afraid of, which is losing Um you know, but I'm sure buying the market at all-time highs is never going to be a problem with that. Uh, and then the last thing is confirmation bias. Uh, basically, we, we go and we look for things that support the argument we're making. We look for the articles. We only read the things that agree with our line of thought. Uh, and I, I would argue that, so, so I said that, that, that while this is a couple of years old, and I, don't, I think in normal times would be about, about what it always is, um, I think confirmation bias is probably worse now. And why do you think that is? Um, because we got a lot of issues that are binary um, and, and people are really passionate about, you know, we've got blue versus red. We've got um, uh, masked versus unmasked, vaxxed versus unvaxxed. And, and there's very passionate uh, arguments on both sides. Uh, and there's, it, it makes the, the no man's land of World War I seem like Disneyland, right? So I, I just, uh, I think that that void is widening and, and, and people are so steeped in what they believe uh, that there's really no, no chance of an olive branch uh, getting, getting pushed across. And, and that's, I mean, the, the stuff that we consume, and I'm sure with everyone just having such instant access to information these days, it's, you can find some article somewhere, right? That's going to support what you believe. And a, a, a score of them. And, and without even having to consider that, maybe there's a counterpoint out there. Yeah. Right. We've, we've got these, these validation cycles, these, these uh, echo chamber on, 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 on both sides of every issue. Um, and it, it's, it's created uh, this, this, this risk where 
I, I think that people aren't necessarily seeking enough information to make some of the decisions, uh, you know, and it's, it's, again, it's true of investing. So I'm speaking specifically about their investments. Um, hey, I, can, I can go find a hundred things saying the market, despite the fact that its average return has been triple of its historical average, uh, is still vastly undervalued, right? It's still vast. I can find plenty of articles that support that. And, and they'll have all kinds of fancy pictures and numbers to support their argument. Uh, and I think you can go and find the exact opposite where, you know, we're going to go back to trading, you know, clothes for furniture. Uh, and and um, uh, there'll be plenty of support for those arguments as well. So, so let's just, let's hone in on this one, confirmation bias. Uh, in your experience, I mean, do, do you look for this? Are you looking for this when you're working with clients? Um, no, I think I, and, and this has been true for, for some time. I, I think I concede to it. Um, and where it really has historically manifested itself um, has been in a couple of areas, at least in, in, in my practice. So I've seen people where um, I, I can't have more than a certain amount of my money in stocks because stocks are bad, right? And, and so, and they'll, they'll give me all of these different arguments as to why that's, why that's true. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the second piece of, of where you see the, uh, the confirmation bias um, is in the types of things they're willing to or not willing to invest in. Um, and so, you know, people, especially so like ESG, environmental, social governance type funds um, are, are really prevalent right now. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not new. You know, people have always had... Um, there's been plenty of people that have had issues with tobacco, firearms, alcohol, energy, pharmaceuticals. I mean, and, and so they'll, they'll uh, they, they, they're comfortable owning something that owns the S&P 500, which will own the pharmaceutical company that they don't want to own, right? And, and so, but they'll <laughs> tell me why that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, understood. And I'd, I'd imagine that even with tax policy, right, just to bring that into it, yeah, that's... I'm sure you see a lot of the the more political divide, right, come to come to the surface when we have a new administration. They're talking about different policy changes proposed, right? You kind of have people. Yeah. To be fair, though, I mean, most of the people I'm talking to are on one side of that issue, right? <laughs> so yeah. So it, it's, uh, but but yeah, absolutely. I think that that you've got you've got um, very strong feelings about about that and and so i i have i think i've mentioned in in, in a previous uh, podcast that i have a i have a, a a client who will call me at some point late july early august to tell me that he's finally making he lives in new york city uh he's finally making money for himself well i called him yesterday and told him that that date just got pushed out to august 12th so because he's going to be based on what we're currently seeing in a 62.5 percent um and I found joy in calculating 365 by 0.65, and then and then applying it to what day that would actually land on the cal on the calendar. And uh, he uh, uh, amazingly didn't find it as funny as I did. So now, what about you? So so you must see this stuff, right? So so you, yeah. I mean, you're 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 not directly participating with clients on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, but I'm you know but you still working client. with people. Yeah, yeah, still working with people. So yeah, you know what, what are you seeing? I mean, I, I see, I think I do see the, the, the tendency to go left or right. And some of these things come to the surface and leading to broader discussions about just societal stuff. 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if confirmation bias plays into this, but um, I think there are other biases there, but I, I do see people with, you know, heavy concentrations in, in a certain stock, right? And they will monitor the performance of that stock. And when things are up, things are up and they're kind of moving the mark on where they would want to sell and they see it go up again. Okay, now, now we're, we're still good. We're still good. Um, even well into retirement. And I'm not sure if that really is necessarily confirmation bias purely. Um, there's probably some anchoring involved or something like that. Um, but yeah. So, I, what do you mean by anchoring? Um, so yeah, I should clarify. So with anchoring, I have, I have a price, let's say I'm, I'm holding a stock. I have a price per share at which I am, am comfortable and I would, I would feel okay with selling that stock. So stock is currently at 95. When this stock goes up to 105, that's a point at which I feel comfortable that I can part with that. And I've seen people in, in retirement, uh, having worked for a corporation, holding up to a, a fairly large concentration of company stock that they've acquired and saying, hey, let's, yeah, I, I said at 105, I would sell it. Um, things have changed because now I see it go up again. And now right. I'm going to anchor into a new point <laughs> that's even yeah. higher. Yeah. Um, yet, if you would, if you would approach them about, you know, owning any significant position in any other single equity, they would say you're out of your mind. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, and, um, and so, so we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago where I talked about, I was reminded, right. So I really, I really try to pride myself on being as unemotional as possible when I'm having these conversations with clients, um, you know, I, I have a practice where I don't own any of the same things that I recommend to people because I, I am I'm aware that I'm I would become then cloaked in some sort of emotional attachment to the stock one way or the other, despite my best efforts. Um, and, and so I, I really pride myself on, on, on not allowing um, the spookies to kind of come in and, and make me make bad decisions on stocks. And so I was going through a conversation where I had a client that wanted to buy something you know, again, one of my other passions, I think that's become known on this is, is it's, he was buying, not necessarily this one, he was buying beer. So he bought Sam Adams. Uh, and we were, I was looking at, you know, where it had been and where the values were. And, you know, he, he was explaining to me the reasons why he wanted to own it. And I was like half listening to that. And, um, but he was, he was dead on right. And, and I said, well, maybe we should wait for it to go down. Uh, I think it was five to $12 was the price that I was looking at. It's, it's a 500 and something dollar stock. And he, he said to me, you know, in the grand scheme of things, aren't you the one that tells me that if, who cares one way or the other, if, if we're worried about this 10 years from now, and it was, it was, you know, it, it, you, you realize like, despite best efforts, I'm, I'm, you know, falling into a trap, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I got the friendly reminder and, and then a very smug, like, uh, he was a very satisfied with himself after that. And, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and then we, we just ended up buying the stock. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's hard not to get wrapped up in it. So as far as, um, loss aversion, uh, that was, that was yeah. on that list as well. Right. Um, I'm sure there, there are times where this comes more to the surface. I'd, I'd imagine, I mean, for the past long stretch, right. If we, we kind of zoom out that, I mean, was loss aversion a big deal in your practice with things just on the up and up on that, that massive bull run? So, so what's, what's funny and how I see it is, yeah, loss aversion is always there, right? Um, 
even even my biggest client, you know, they, they've one of the things they say to me almost every time we're together is, well, just don't lose it. Well, I mean, that that's the plan, right? Well, that's the plan, but <laughs> they, don't look at every statement, we'll be all right. Um, what what's funny is is that I think right now what we're seeing the wrestling of um, is we're seeing people who have been patient to get in because they're having trouble looking at what they're seeing in the market and and uh, reconciling that to what they're looking at and seeing in day to day life in the economy, and they're saying, well, this thing's got to come down. Mm -hmm. So they wait, they wait, they wait. But it's like the kid kind of eyeing the Christmas present that's just been sitting there for three weeks. After a while, they just can't resist, right? There's, so, there's such a fear of missing out mm -hmm. that they start jumping in at the exact worst time. Uh, and so, so while loss aversion is there, uh, and, and I agree with the study, and this is why I think that recency bias is more of a powerful impact than loss aversion, is because their eyes are telling them you fool, you were wrong, and they, they gotta they gotta grab onto it. And, and again, that's typically why people end up buying high and selling low, which is really the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Sure. I'd imagine that as I mean, both from from a practitioner's perspective and from the client's perspective, you're probably a little more aware of that uh at the point of retirement, right? Or like a couple months preceding yeah. because of sequence yeah. of returns. It, it, it's a, well, it's what's amazing is, and I, I, I say this to everybody that I, that I work with that's about to retire is your first year of retirement is by far going to be the worst one for you. And they don't believe it, right? But they start, they start worrying about, and, and if we think about, if we think about it, the discipline to save a bunch of money is, is just that it's a discipline. And, and so you treat the money with, with sanctity, right? I'm not going to touch it. And if I touch it, if I have to touch it for something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to immediately replace it. And you're uncomfortable until that happens. So then to make that switch where instead of saving money, now you're spending your money, it immediately goes to, I'm going to, you know, at 90 years old, I'm going to be eating cat food to survive and, and hugging people at Walmart because that's, that's what I'll have, that's what I'll be left with, right? Uh, and so psychologically, it's very difficult for people who have saved so much for their entire life to, to turn that corner. Uh, and and uh, then then they see at the end of the year that everything's okay. And, and again, it's one, one of the reasons why you have intervals with financial planning. Say, okay, well, this is where we thought we would be. This is where we actually are. The sun still comes up in the morning and, and, and people move into the second year of retirement, which tends to, you know, start the golden years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've seen that with with people right in that same zone kind of on the cusp of on the cusp of retirement um i've seen it in a couple a couple different ways i think uh depending on their risk tolerance that they were very under in in terms of like how conservative they were approaching their retirement just dialed it way back i mean yep. to to a point where they were they were way too safe leading up to it. Um, and that, that same person also had kept a, a large sum of cash that she had inherited uh, from her father and kept it in her savings account um, well above what, what she, she needed, probably should have been invested a decade ago when she got it. Yeah, but and well, she would well, say well, repeatedly, you needed to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, and 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 i found that fascinating because i would point to it and say well that you you have this cash here and what 
what's what's the plan for that? So I love I love it. I love my cash. I'm not touching my and cash. That, that, that's a big thing, right? So that's that's the um, I, I think that plays a little bit into the disposition effect where it's even if I lose it all, I still have this, right? I, I still yeah. have that that safety net, that security blanket. Um, and I, I, I see that a lot. It's a good point. I see it a lot with my clients and, and you know what they do is they keep, they, once they know, you know, we say, well, I'll listen to anything more than whatever, whatever the, the right emergency fund is for their situation. Anything really beyond that is, is kind of inefficient. There's other things we can do that's going to be better than cash. Um, and so they, they, they keep it a secret, you know, they, they, they go and bury it because they don't want me to know, they don't want to hear about it and they know they're going to, and it's a, it, I, there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to convince them to put it into the market. Uh, and, and so they just pretend that it doesn't exist yeah. in front of me, you know, which is fine. I think it's funny. It is funny. Yeah. Um, because you hear about it when they get to, well, I, I also have this over here. So what do you mean you have this over here? You know, and it's just like, well, <laughs> I was on a need to know basis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it and I'm, I'm curious to see whether or not you see this in yourself. I mean, your kids are younger than mine. Yep. Um, but I have a 15 year old son. Uh, he starts, he's a sophomore in high school. He starts college in a few years and I put money away from him every year. And I've definitely started to think, hey, do I want to put this money in now? Right. Do, do I, you know, cause I know I'm going to need it in, 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 at, a, at most in a couple of years, at, uh, or I'm sorry, at least in a couple of years, but at most six years now, if, if he goes through in four years. Um, and so maybe it's better if I just kind of keep this on the side, because I do feel like maybe things are stretched a bit here. Um, and it's, it's, you start, once you start, once you, once you see that you can't unsee it. Yeah, of course. I, I think with my girls, because they are young, because we have the longer time stretch, I mean, not by, not by a whole lot, but they're, they're eight and six. Yeah. Um, I found that the, the regular smaller increments of contributions, the kind of set it, forget it mindset for them yep. at this point, um, brings me peace. It brings me calm. Because I don't even think about it. I just know, all right, this was set up with this purpose and that's part of the plan and off we go. We'll, we'll and, see if this is the way you feel seven years from now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I mean, same, we know I was one thing for way. sure. I yeah. mean, what is it? 5% per year, you know, 4.5% yeah. per year that the education costs are increasing. I mean, I feel like I've been paying, playing catch up since they were born. Um, and, and trying well, to get of course started. i mean well college college i mean rises college makes the current inflation state look like nothing right yeah Which, exactly and so um and i'm sure there's universities saying well wait a minute if inflation's at five percent we, we should be at like 12 right so yes. <laughs> but but i i think that um you, you know i i do i do feel it and then I, I like I have shame about it, where it's just like I, I can't believe you know this is what I tell people not to do, and here I am doing it. And and, yeah. and again, it reinforces like that's why I don't put my own money into stuff that I'm talking to clients about because I, I can't. I know I can't separate my emotions from it, and, and yeah. I'm no longer objective. I'm no longer their advisor. I'm on the boat with them. Yeah, trying not to sink. You know, that's I find that so interesting because I've I've talked to other advisors. That that are on the exact opposite end. They're like absolutely we, most people we are. We cook, you yeah, know. So I'm flying my own plane and blah yep. blah blah, and I get it. Like that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But you know, it's like my wife. It was a nurse, and and so you know, she went from uh, having having no no problems about about anything. You know, she'd stick her hands in dirt and then in her mouth, and then she took microbiology, and you know, we became a stockpiler of. of 
peroxide, you know? So, so I think it's once you, once you under, understand that these things are out there, I think you, you become painfully aware. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that though. I, I feel like you're, you're probably just able to bring yourself to a place where you are giving that, um, you know, as, as true to the solution as you can be without getting pulled by, by all the ups and downs of it, right. That you're, you're just giving the best advice in the moment to, to solve the problem, to move toward the goal. Um, it's like the investing namaste. Is that yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, it feels that way. I, I, I like think, that. I, I really, I, and I, 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 I kind of walk out of it during, during crisis. And, and again, it's been through my deficit. I, I don't, uh, I think if, if clients took a look at my portfolio, they, they, they'd say, really? Um, and so, and it is what it is. I mean, it looks, it looks deficient compared to what I do for them. And so, um, but it's really, interestingly, it's, it's difficult to have your money managed by somebody else. Um, cause I would, I would do that if I had somebody that, uh, there's a few people that, that I trust closely and I would let them do it, but it's not easy for me to do that from a compliance standpoint. Okay. Yeah. Understood. There's, there's different rules that set in. So when we talk about, so interesting, uh, what we talked about the, the three most common biases that, that advisors see in their clients, when it comes to the, seeing the biases in themselves, uh, 97% say I have absolutely no biases at all. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> 97. Okay. <laughs> Now, so, so when they say, okay, well, well, the biases that you perceive in your own advice and your own, your own uh, uh, approach to the business and the things that you're making decisions on, what are those that, that are the, the top? The first is loss aversion, which we said was second for clients. The second, now this is, a, this is an amazing concession from people because this is an ego business. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of ego in this business. And, and the second thing that they admitted to was overconfidence. So that, that is like wow. as, as, uh, introspective as I think you're going to get uh, out of, out of the, the Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then the third thing is confirmation bias. So, uh, the one that, that is the outlier, uh, that we saw that they said, they said they saw in clients that they don't really see in themselves, at least in the top three is recency bias. Um, and again, as, as you were saying before, I think it's, it's probably not necessarily true, uh, especially now. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, recency bias and confirmation bias can come together and they manifested themselves in, in what we were seeing with some of the meme stocks where, you know, you got people that believe, well, these, these things are, they can't possibly, they can't possibly stand on their own. And then you've got other parts of the world that are saying it's all a conspiracy and then we're going to bring the whole house down and, you know, and <laughs> it doesn't get much further apart than that, but people feel very strongly about both sides of that issue. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, there's some sort of recency effect, right? With the, the meme stocks and with, with cryptocurrency and, yeah. and all of these things, right? They, they seem just more in the mainstream publications. And I've had, I've had conversations with people and I'm surprised it goes there that quickly. Um, I remember being at a, oh, yeah. a kindergarten mini golf birthday party and the, the host, oh yeah, it was blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow along the way, as an aside, I got, I think the other parents were enjoying themselves. I was the guy fishing all of the, the balls 
out of the little water trap. And then there was a line of kids. And I was like, I was just trying to help out my little group. But, you know, for a good 15 minutes, I was fishing, fishing the water, water, uh, you know, the balls out of the water anyway. um, But yeah, they, you know, said, what, what do you do? And we got to know each other. And they're like, so what about this crypto stuff? And I mean, right to it. And, and just in hindsight, that just seems like a recency effect. Like this is just the last big thing in finance I've heard about. And it's such a hot topic. Right. Yeah. When, when I, I, I get it with my undergraduate students, you know, and I really have for, I want to say at least seven years now, um, where it's, it's, it's a big thing. And they, they just, they, they look at me like I'm, when I say I don't get it, like I just don't get it. They look at me like I am absolutely crazy and like older than Nostradamus, right? Like I just, like, Unbelievable. It's just it's, you know, I'm not a boomer, but I am to them. Right. It's just like, sure. I see like the okay boomer, like in their eyes and, and I, it's, <laughs> I just don't get it. And, and so, but you know, what's interesting about, about the fact that, that advisors don't see themselves as, um, as really being suffering from, from recency bias. One of, do you know what the, the, one of the, the, the hottest uh, market initiatives or, or one of the things that it's hard not, it's hard not to, how to, to, to describe this without actually saying what it is, but one of the way, big places that money's flowing to no. trend following. Right? Oh so trend, yeah. yeah. Trend, trend following momentum investment, uh-huh. right? Yeah. That's, that's the very core of recency bias. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it's just, it's, it's funny how you, you, like you have those, those, those contradictions, um, in, in things. So, you know, I, I think that it's this is as um, as interesting a time in terms of, of being able to. It, it's it, it feels like uh, not necessarily the same as 2008, but it feels like the 2009. Like once we bottomed, people didn't believe the bottom. Like right now, I feel like people don't believe it's the top, and and so and it may not be right. Who knows? Tops are. Harder, I think, to, to, to really see them than bottoms tend to be. Um, and so the uh, um, this this feels like that did, uh, where it just it, it, I feel like I, I know people are are kind of putting themselves in a position to do the wrong thing, and and, and I'm trying hard to 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 uh, minimize the damage, um, but it's 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 more difficult this time. Uh, up markets are harder to fight than down markets. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like people that have gone through that cycle, right, probably feel that way, where, where you, you know there's the other side to this, but I wonder if you're going through this for the first time as an adult, right? I, I just remember 08 vividly, and I remember where I was standing. I was with colleagues, you know, in financial services. We're watching the yeah. thing go down and plummet, and yeah. then the fallout from that. And working for a big broker dealer at the time, I mean, not only wondering about your job security, but what is this fair for the economy overall? What on earth is happening? Yeah, I mean, the, the banks are going to get nationalized. And, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the government had to step in and back every penny that was in a, a money market account. You know, above, like, that's not even, FDA, like, every cent, the trillions of, uh, trillions don't seem like a lot of money anymore. Uh, but back then, it seemed like a lot of money. And yeah. it's just like, you know, trillions of dollars, I think it was $11 trillion in, in, in money market at that point. Uh, they, they came in and they were going to back every cent of it, you know, and it was more of a, just a functional window dressing type thing to make people feel better about it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was a crazy time. And this feels again, it's it's like the the, the yin and the yang. Like the, this feels the exact mirror opposite of that, mm-hmm. where people are, you know, people. I think back coming out of the financial crisis, people realized we weren't going over into the abyss that it looked like we could have, but they were still very hesitant to get back into the game. Yeah. Now I think people feel like, you know, maybe we're whistling past the graveyard here a little bit, but they can't not throw their money. It's like the fly you want into the light. Like they can't not do it. Um, and, and so it's, it's a, and it's, I, no one, no one ever says, you know, well, I would have only lost 10 more percent, but people say, well, I could have had 10 more percent, right? It's a, just a different, Oh yeah. It's a different, it's yeah. A different perspective. I wonder how, you know, in, in this past decade or so, right decade plus a couple of years. We have, we have instant access, a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there that are investing, right? Uh, where this has been the way, the way it goes. I mean, it's just, everything is looking up. I wonder what's going to happen when things, when there's a, a, a significant correction and, and how it plays out in that space. Um, are people still interested in buying in at that point? Are they going to put it on pause? Do they get a little frightened? I mean, how does that play out for your do-it-yourself well, investor that's for, for three years in? Of them, for 50% of them, it's going to be confirmation of their confirmation bias, right? <laughs> so you're going to have half of Reddit that was like, see, we were right. And half of Reddit saying, you know, damn it, we should have done the other thing. But, but um, and, and that's just it. Like you, you, to your point, there's just so much, uh, there's so many places that there's just a copious amounts of analysis and information and and, you know, it's like, it's like uh, the same thing with, with, I have a friend who's a doctor and he said the best thing that ever happened in my practice was WebMD uh, because you go there for a hangnail and, and you're dying, right? And, and so yes. you go to the doctor. And it's the same thing with, um, with, with uh, you know, you can, get your way to, you can get your way to whatever outcome you're looking for on the, 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 just a sundry of message boards that are out there. You know, you've got, you've got all these platforms and every single one of them has both sides of the outcome. And, and plenty of it. And it's just, you can go immerse yourself in whichever of those two, you can go bathe in either side and, you know, feel very confident that you've done all the analysis you possibly can to prove yourself right. Yeah. You know? And so and that's wild. not necessarily what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is wild. Um, it should be, I'm, I'm just going to keep an eye on this space and uh, keep my own biases in check. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, you know, it, it is, it is a hard thing to do. And I, I feel like, um, and it's tough, you know, I can tell you that, that um, as confident as I was in the advice that I was giving during, you know, any time of crisis, but, but specifically the 2008, 2009, it was hard to stick to your guns, right? It's, it's very hard to, especially like when you're like, now the right thing to do, let's not worry about, you know, the next few months, let's worry about years years out and then you know fast forward three months and, and the statements show them down another 12 percent they eventually tire of that advice you know they can't yeah. they can't when you see it actually on paper it's harder for them to stick to the plan yeah and more you, you see a lot of people back then where where they just had they had their their firm line i, I will not let this go below here before jumping ship it wasn't as much of, at least in my experience it wasn't it wasn't a set number yeah it was just it was like the the what what amount of pain could they handle 
right? They got it to, to the point where, I, I mean, I had clients that would call me and say, listen, I know it's not the right thing to do. I, I know it's not, I can see that. I just can't take it anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, you just get them to take it for one more day and, and hope that, you know, there's an up day, which there wasn't a lot of those back then. Uh, but, but we, and we saw it similarly with, with the, with the, the, the pandemic, the, the onset of the pandemic was, I mean, it was just so unprecedented um, where you just, they're shutting the economy down indefinitely. Um, and it, it, it's, I, I, I still, to this day, am amazed how short lived that downturn actually was. Yeah. Same here. You know, it's just in looking at it. I mean, that would, that would seem like it would be very sticky, like a very persistent thing. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know what you thought, but I thought this is, this is where, this is a problem. This is going to be a problem for a little while. Um, because you know, we're, we've got this thing that's killing people and, and we haven't even started figuring out a medicine for it, yeah. you know, and that takes, I've, I've owned pharmaceutical companies. I know how long it takes to get a drug through. And I was thinking like, well, this can't be good. Yeah. You know? And so it was hard to get people to just, Hey, this will, we're not going to, we'll, we'll, we'll tuck away the money that you need for the next couple of years, but we're not going to worry about this stuff 10 years out. Sure. But again, I had had the benefit of having, having these clients having gone through a couple of these with me now. I think if you're brand new um, or if you, are, if you are dealing with newer clients, um, those conversations are probably more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I would so how, in, in just in your experience, in those moments where things are really tumultuous, they're, they're plummeting, people are losing their money, um, how much do some of, are historical facts with with performance. I mean, does that provide any ease, or is it more just like well, let, I'm hurting right now? So, um, so let me ask you, as an investor, right? Yeah. Does it in, in you know being steeped in, in in knowledge of finance, does it help you? Barely. <laughs> okay. Well, so yeah. but why? Yeah. But what, what well, you, well, what, I mean, I don't. I don't want to say barely. It. It. The. The losses. I find that I, I don't want to look at statements, you know, that where I, I think it's a lot more enjoyable to look at a statement where things have gone up 12%. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's human. Uh, that just to what you were speaking to also, like the, you know, things are on the up and I'm, I'm feeling great. Uh, I, I, I take that back. Yeah, that, that makes me feel a little bit of calm looking long term. Uh, but it also raises other things, uh, the the uncertainty of what lies ahead to bring things full circle. Like, how is how is this going to play out? Is this something different? Um, were were we in the right place? Do we have things properly set up here? Uh, those are all things that go through my mind. But I know, yeah, markets overall, right? Dating way back, what is it? Every every slice of ten, you could take a ten year slice. And, and it's about, it's hard to find a down, a down rolling 10 year period. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you think about some of the things that happen within any given 10 year period, you know, like major crisis, world wars, um, depressions, um, now pandemics, terrorist attacks. And, and, and yes, it, 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 as long as there's enough time applied to the, the portfolio, chances are it's going to be up. Right. How, and, how do you, know, you feel in moments like that? Does that give you any, any calm? Yeah, it does. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I try to be as, as pragmatic and, and as objective as possible. And I think, you know, when in, in knowing the history 
um, yeah, I know that it's not, it, it, it's the two things that I really take comfort in is it's not going to zero, mm-hmm. right? And if it does go to zero, it doesn't matter anyway, <laughs> right? So, so if it goes to zero, we're burning furniture to stay alive. And, uh, and, and you know, no one's going to worry about what their statement looks like then because they're going to put them on top of the fire to stay warm <laughs> for the point. Uh, you know, and those statements are, well, they'll be robust because they, they're like 50 pages thick. Um, but yeah, I, I do find that there's comfort in that. Um, and I also, so someone, someone told me very early on in my career that the four most expensive words in investing are this time is different, you know? And, and so, so taking solace in the fact that um, despite, you know, how awful or how great things look, they, they, they just don't, it, they, we're not in linear markets. They don't persist that way forever. Uh, and so in good times, they're going to turn around in bad times. They'll also turn around. You know, we definitely tend to feel more pain from downside than we feel, you know, benefit from upside. Um, and so you have to, you have to have a little bit of that as well, uh, or you have to be aware of that. Um, but in general, I, I take comfort in the fact that, um, they haven't found a way to put it to zero yet. They're working in earnest right now, though. Uh, I think, but but you know, I, you have to trust the people that are smarter than me. You know that that there's you, you gotta. I believe that that um, our 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 policymakers, especially when we, we look at the Fed, are brilliant people with the best interests of the economy and the country and society as a whole at heart. And so I, I think that you know I tend to take comfort in that as well. Yeah. Well, probably a good place for us to put this on pause and, and revisit down the road, maybe when, it, when if things change. Oh, <laughs> um, well, they always change. That's the benefit of talking about behavioral. If we can always point <laughs> to and say, well, wait a minute, we were just looking at the wrong bias. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But um, yeah, thanks for that, bringing that study to, to our attention. I think it's a great springboard into this. And I know <clears throat> you and I have dialogued uh, just a, about how we, we each find this really interesting and fascinating um, and, and just seeing how it, it plays out both in ourselves and in clients and, uh, you know, in, in the world of, of, of financial information uh, is, is always something to keep an eye on. So yeah. uh, what's, you know, what's, what's I, I think it's just important to understand that, that um, there's a slew of these biases out there just because the top three are the ones that their advisor see as the top three, it doesn't mean they're the top three for you. Everyone, because of upbringing, because of experience, because of age, because of a million different things, these biases will have different pecking orders in their own life. And, and you can concede to them, learn from them, and then, and then have a, a, a plan to not let them derail you. Thank you all for listening. The complete Biff Bites podcast library can be found at biffbites.com. Send any questions in to info at biffbites.com. Take care. Mm-hmm.